pandemonium reigns. The third Saturday in October, Tennessee at Alabama, CBS, 3.30 kickoff, 1,000 commercials. I can't wait. I can't wait. I can't believe that it's finally here. I can't believe that I'm going to be there. I'm Dan. My co-host Mike is not uh, available to uh, be with us today, so I'm flying solo, but I'm so excited to talk the third Saturday in October with you guys. Um, We would really appreciate it if you hit like, if you hit subscribe. It's going to do wonders and miracles for our algorithm as we continue to grow. Would really, really appreciate that. But it's the third Saturday in October, y'all. It's here. The leaves are falling. There's a crisp chill in the air. Fall is here. The the actual fall is here, not the early September fall that we had to go through. Actual fall is here. And it's time. What was once the greatest rivalry in this conference, Tennessee and Bama. It's back, baby. There was a point in time for a good 15 years, right, where this rivalry lost its luster because we've been bad so bad for so long. That 2022 win in Knoxville, that Chase McGrath field goal, that 52-49 victory in Knoxville, that changed things. That changed things. And you have to know the Alabama fan base, the returning coaching staff from Alabama, returning players from Alabama. You know that they've had this one circled. You know that players and alumni before them, they said, we don't lose to Tennessee. We don't do that. These guys that are currently playing for Tennessee and Alabama, they've all watched Alabama dominate this series. So you know what? It's a fair statement. Alabama doesn't lose to Tennessee. So what that win did last year is is, is it stirred the pot for both fan bases. And now what you have is a chance and an opportunity for, for Tennessee to reset the course of this rivalry. I remember being in Knoxville for this game last year, and after the game is over, probably spent 90 minutes in the stadium after that field goal went through the uprights, after the stadium was clad in orange, still clad in orange for what felt like forever. We make it to the vehicle, which we're parked into the in, in a parking garage <clears throat> on a high level, and we're blocked in. We probably sat there for another 90 minutes, not moving. I've got my buddy with me. He's a Bama fan. And I remember we're just kind of quiet, you know, scrolling on our phones. I'm looking at Twitter. Service is not great. And all of a sudden, I kind of poke up and I went, I've got to go to this game next year. I have got to go to Bryant-Denny Stadium in 2023 for this game. I have got to be there. I have determined over the course of this entire offseason that there's not a chance that Tennessee is going to beat Alabama. There's not a chance that, that, that Nick Saban is going to lose to Tennessee twice, especially not in a row. I've concluded this. Matter of fact, I'm going to give you a preview and a prediction later on, and I'm going to stick to my guns. We're losing this game, okay? I usually don't like to do that. I want want to leave you staying with me and and, and tuning in, and I want want you to hang around for the final prediction. Sticking to my guns. 
losing this game. My point is this. From now until that time in the car in the parking garage in Knoxville after that 52-49 win over Alabama, I have wanted to be at this game knowing that probably going to lose it. Why? Because it's going to be on fire. Bryant-Denny Stadium is going to be unreal. I'm not one of those those fans who think that their stadium is is the only stadium that can reach elite status. Now, listen, there was a point in time where EA Sports used Neyland Stadium to record their crowd noise for a reason. That, that, that sound is basically trapped. Listen, Alabama now and for a long time has been the face of college football. It's changing a little bit when you, I mean it's going to happen when you when you have back-to-back national champions. I mean, props to Georgia. I mean, they're arguably the face of this sport right now. But Alabama's been in, been been it for so long and you and and going through the 90s, the, the 80s, the 70s, I mean for a long time. A long time. They've been they've been good. So to sit here and say that Bryant Denny can't turn into Neyland is just stupid. It might even be more stupid, like the stadium environment itself, than what we saw last year. Because Bama fans are are crazy. Tennessee fans are wild. They're passionate. Bama fans are crazy. Like, they kill people. I'm not making jokes. They kill people. What you mean you don't love Bama? Bam! Shot your cousin. <laughs> Listen, we got to get into this. Got to get into this, um, this, this conversation, this preview, this prediction um, on on this game, and there's there's really a lot to talk about. Now, I want to talk about the preseason identities of both teams. Tell me who saw this coming, right? Tell me who saw Alabama being who they are now. Tell me, who, tell me, you saw that coming. Tell me, you saw a an offensive line the size of theirs not being able to run the ball. Tell me you saw Jalen Milrow throwing one of the prettiest and best deep balls in the country right now. Tell me you saw that coming. And I'm going to call your bluff. I'm going to call your bluff. Nobody saw that coming. And a part of the reason that is is we didn't know who the starting quarterback was in Tuscaloosa until week one. Matter of fact, the day of was a game day decision, if I remember right. And if you predicted Jalen Milrow to be the starting quarterback for Alabama, you're not going to convince me that you were saying he's going to be, you know, he's going to have a 60-plus completion percentage from balls 25 yards or more. No, you're probably going to say, you know what? Alabama, they're going to run really well. They're probably going to run a lot of powers, a lot of traps, and they're going to pick up three, four, or five yards, large clouds of dust at a time. We're, we're going to see 2014, 2015 Alabama of old, and they're just going to beat you and pound you into submission. They're going to play keep away, and they're going to set you up for play action. That's not what's happening. That's not what's happening. I think Cole Kublik pretty much uh, described their offense this way. Run, run, tackle for loss, sack, run, 70-yard bomb. (laughs) Saw this coming. They don't run well, and they don't protect the passer well. Jalen Milrow, out of 
all the quarterbacks that we have faced and will face, nobody has been sacked more. He's been sacked 26 times, 27 times, something like that. You didn't see that coming. Nobody saw that coming. What about Tennessee? Okay, so I think the preseason identity for Tennessee was going in. Okay, I think we'll we'll continue to score a lot of points. You know, it might not be quite as many, you know. Um, Joe Milton is going to get his yards. He's probably not going to find as many scores. He's probably not going to connect on as many deep balls, you know, but but Heupel's still going to be able to dial it up. He's still going to be able to work up the magic to to find the deep guy open and and Tennessee's going to score a lot of points and we're going to play subpar defense, right? Not what's happening. That's not what's happening. Joe Milton is one of the worst in the country on balls 20 yards or more. He's one of the worst in the country. It's terrible. It's absolutely terrible. The defense is not subpar. That that front on the defense is elite. Kamal Haddon is playing out of his mind. He's one of the best secondary players in the country. He's a top 10 defensive back in the country. There's not a single volunteer fan in this world who saw that coming. I, I'm a pastor. I'm a youth pastor. I believe in an all-sovereign God. I'm not so sure he knew that. I think Kamal Haddon has surprised the God Almighty. So these preseason identities are just gone. And this game last year, 52-49, you know, we're, 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 we're currently you got an over-under uh, on this game sitting at, goodness gracious, 48. Both schools last year exceeded that. Set come Saturday, they might not hit 48 combined. So what you have in this 2023 matchup is nothing like what you have in 2022. If you're carrying anything over from this 22 matchup from, from 2022 Alabama, 2022 Tennessee, you need to throw that out. This is almost like, Whole new rosters, whole new outcomes, whole new matchups. Like the whole thing is new. The only thing uh, that has changed is the location, or excuse me, the only thing that is uh, that, that is the same uh, aside from the location is 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 their jerseys, right? What a dumb way of saying that. I could have done that better. Right, so, like for ex- for example, Jalen Hyatt as a receiver, five touchdowns, two hundred plus yards, if I remember right. That's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. If Squirrel White, who is the most likely receiver to hit plus 200, and nobody's going to touch five touchdowns alone, let's say two touchdowns. If that happens, I'll shut down the podcast. We'll call it quits. I'll say, you know what? This, this thing is just too dang hard to predict and too dang hard to talk about. All right, nobody saw that coming. You know, I'll shut it down. It's not going to happen. It's it's not going to happen. So the model for last year and winning was for as Tennessee, as far as Tennessee goes, is put up as many points as you can. You know, Tennessee saw 35 seconds on the clock in, in whatever situation, you know, before a half, before the end of regulation. They said, watch us cook. That's not who we are anymore. Here's who we are. We're going to run well. 
We put up 232 rushing yards on a really good Texas A&M defense. And if you listen to our episode where we covered the Tennessee-Texas A&M game, I, I told you that I think the total outcome is probably different if Edger and Cooper for A&M doesn't get hurt. He was, he was a problem. But nonetheless, 232 rushing yards against a really good Texas A&M Aggie defense. So we're going to run, and we should do that well, and we're going to defend really well. We're going to pressure the quarterback. We're going to cover well. We're going to run fit well. We are not going to throw well. Joe Milton threw for 100 yards against Texas A&M. So bad. It was so, so bad. Now, let's look at Alabama for a second. Alabama's averaging 148.4 rushing yards per game. 148.4. Just to put that into perspective, listen, I understand what I'm about to say, that these other schools are going to have different schedules and schedule difficulty and and all the things, but let's just put this into perspective this way. Alabama, 148.4 rushing yards per game. You know who's got more? Schools like West Virginia. Schools like Rutgers, they have more yards per game. UT's got 224 yards per game. All right, so here's what Alabama's going to do. They're not going to run well, which is crazy to think about that because that Alabama offensive line is massive. But it just goes to show you that 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 position and that unit is way more uh, about – way more than size. It's about chemistry and and working together and play calling and – and it, it's a lot like the starting five for a basketball team and 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 how well that they can play together, how they know what the other person is going to do and their, um, their, the way that they react to certain things, whether they play certain things. And part of it's just figuring out size is not all it takes to play uh, offensive line. So they're going to run. They're going to get behind the sticks. They're going to have some tackles for loss, right? And their MO is somewhere in a busted coverage or a bad snap, Jalen Miller was going to throw a deep ball and he's going to find Jermaine Burton. He's going to find the end zone. All right. I think my question for this game is this, who can be behind the chains the less? I think for Alabama, I think Tennessee is going to get to Milrow. I think we're going to get to him. Uh, We pressured the heck out of Max Johnson. And I'm not saying it's going to be near that, near that percentage, you know, near as consistent. But I do think we're going to get there. I think we're going to get home. I I see four to six sacks in this game. I think if you have three or less, what a disappointment. Because Milrow has been set, uh, uh, Tyler, words, um, was it Ty Simpson or Tyler Buckner who played against USF? Whoever it was, USF got to him five times. Milrow has been sacked. Milrow has had five sack games. And this we're the best front that he's going to see. So so four to six is is realistic. All right. So we're going to get there, right? We should anyway. Um, and they're going to have some false starts. That they're 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 still heavy in penalties, right? So they're going to get behind the chains, but Tennessee is going to do the same thing. That environment is going to affect us. It's going to happen. Prepare for it. Prepare for false start, false start, 
false start. I mean, prepare for these things. Especially prepare for the holds, especially if Ollie Lane is on the field. As much as I hate to say it, I like the guy, but he had a terrible performance at home against AM. All right. Alabama, 130th in sacks allowed. We should get there. We the numbers say that we should get there, right? That's what they say. ESPN has got this game in their matchup predictor, Alabama at 76.4%. So you're telling me there's a chance. You're telling me there's a chance. Here's the chance. Here's how that's going to look, right? In order to find a win out of 23% odds, you're going to have to play outstanding defense. You're going to have to create some turnovers. You're going to have to find a way to take the crowd out of the game early. You know, it's one thing to let the crowd back into the game. It's one thing to let the crowd back into the game over one play. Joe Milton gets sacked, stripped, fumbled, scooped, score, stuff like that. That's going to that's gonna set that, that crowd on fire. It's another thing for them to march down the field, put a drive together, punch it in from the one, touchdown Alabama, right? You can still kind of keep that that stadium at bay if you allow it to look like that. So you got to play great defense. You got to continue. Excuse me. You got to continue to play great defense. You got to find some turnovers on the defensive side. And I think you got to pressure the heck out of Milrow. They're sack prone. So go get him. Go get him. See how he handles the pressure. This is arguably. Arguably the best defense he has seen. And again, who would have thought that coming into the preseason? Who saw that coming? So pressure him. Get to him. So you got to do that. You got to run well. You have to continue to run well. I I like our odds if we can find 200 plus. I do. I like our odds if you can keep them to 140 or lower. I like the odds. I think that you need help on special teams as well. Uh, giving D. Williams a chance um, is always going to be a good thing for Tennessee, just because he's he's electric with a ball in his hands, right? Now, if you're Alabama, <clears throat> what's 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 your formula if you are Alabama? Well, I think the formula to beat us altogether is exactly what Florida did. Play keep away, take your check downs, be legit in your intermediate to short passing game. I mean, that's where Mertz lived. He was he was excellent zero to nine yards. Zero to ten yards. He was excellent. Move the chains, really, really win the time of possession battle. Okay, that's the formula on how to beat us. That's the formula on how to tallywhack us, man. That's what Florida did. Alabama, though, can they do that? Can they put those drives together? I don't think they can. So if they can't do that type of formula, how are they going to find wins, um, uh, a win against us? Well, I am still a believer in the Alabama defensive front. 
in the Alabama front seven. I guess the Alabama defense as a whole, I would say I'm still a believer in. I don't like Saban, but I believe in him, respect him, trust him, especially if I'm an, if, if I'm an Alabama fan. So how do you do it if you're Bama? How do you do it? I think it's actually pretty simple. You let the crowd have a significant impact. You let them have a significant impact against us. Put us behind the chains from us shooting ourselves in the foot on delay games, false starts, stuff like that. I think stuff like that is going to kill us. How else do you do it? You make Joe throw underneath. You make him throw the slant. You make him throw the intermediate dig. You make him throw these things. You dare him to beat you. You dare him. You you load the box and you say, if you beat us, it's be gonna it's gonna be because Joe Milton beat us through the air, which he has not done since the Orange Bowl against Clemson. Hasn't done it. South Carolina, he was meh. AM, he was blah. Right? So he loaded up. Loaded up. On the offensive side, you, you don't shoot yourself in the foot. I mean, they've got this, this bad snap thing going on from their center to Milrow. You 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 stop those, you 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 cut down your penalties. Um, but defensively, I just think you keep things in front of you. And I think it's a pretty simple formula if I'm Bama. I might feel a little bit different if this game is in Knoxville. Might feel a little bit different. But I ultimately think your your difference is going to become or going to be because of where this game is played and the crowd just having that kind of impact on the opposing team. So what if? What if what if Alabama wins this game? I think they will. But what if they do? That's they set up pretty nicely. I think it sets them up pretty nicely, is, is actually what I'm trying to say. So they're going to host us. They're going to turn around and host uh, LSU, but they're going to get a bye week after us. So you got time to to decompress, to get your stuff together, you know, celebrate the win, get ready for LSU, who we've been talking about preseason identities and you're not who we thought you were. I mean, they're another one, right? But you're going to host them or travel to Kentucky, host UTC and travel to the Voodoo Magic Jordan Hare at Auburn to finish the season. I think this win against Tennessee, I mean, really propels you. Imagine Mario Kart, you know, when you're when you're you know, um you're scooting along and you're driving, you're turning corners, you're collecting stars, and your your stars start to build up, right? You're gaining speed. It's kind of what they're doing right now. They're collecting the stars, they're gaining speed. This is the dumbest illustration I've ever used. But then they hit the, like the turbo little thing, right, and and go faster. I think a win like that can can do something like like that uh, for these guys. And I like them, you know, they win this game. I, I like them to win out. I mean, I already like them to win out. You know, Auburn again, the voodoo magic. Um, you never know, right? But Auburn's not good, right? They're going to be playing with house money. Not good. Um, UTC is a W. You can very easily win this game at Kentucky. 
Uh, and you're going to get a bye week before you ho- host LSU and what's going to be another revenge game for you. All right, so I like what this does for your trajectory. For Tennessee, I like what this does for your trajectory even more. Even more. Because if you can find a win over Alabama, you're looking at something that you have not looked at in a really long time, and that is a streak over one of your major rivals, not named Kentucky. Your main rivals being Florida, Georgia, and Bama. You're talking about a two-game streak. A two-game streak. That's big. And then the next game is going to be at home in Knoxville next season. So you got that. And then you're going to take a Tennessee team going into Lexington the next week who just beat Bama in Tuscaloosa. Who's going to be who's going to be riding a wave of confidence, right? And hopefully licking their chops as they go to line up against Devin Leary. So I like that even more. But what that does to the trajectory of this program, think about what this could do in the recruiting department. Or we can go now to these recruits who we're already in battles with, with the big schools, you know, and we can look at them and say, got two games on Alabama, man. You can play the card like, hey, we're farther along than they are. Got two wins on them, man. Proof is in the pudding. They might have a better roster, but hey, got two wins on them, man. Got a streak. It's big. (laughs) You're gonna you're gonna start to put Tennessee on the map as far as national respect goes. It's gonna be big, massive. So I think it does a ton for. The offseason, it sets you really uh, up well for recruiting in the offseason, especially with National Signing Day coming up in December. Give, gives your brand a lot more respect. Puts you on a nice trajectory as you go to close out your, your season. Kentucky, UConn, Mizzou, Georgia, Vanderbilt. You're thinking, man, we can beat Alabama in Tuscaloosa. We can beat Georgia at home, right? You're going to be riding a wave of confidence. If you win this game, you're now sitting at six and one. You got to feel good about Kentucky. So seven and one. You're going to feel good about, obviously, going to feel good about UConn, eight and one, right? You're going to host, or excuse me, travel to Missouri. That's going to be, it's going to be a battle. I mean, Missouri's much improved, but if you, if you can beat Alabama in Tuscaloosa, here we go with transitive, transitive property saying the, the talk about something I don't believe in. You're staring at ten and two. You're staring at ten and two. Ninety nine and three is now your floor. Where where right now it's currently your ceiling. It's currently your ceiling. But nine and three is your floor. You come out with a win here. All right, let's let's talk quarterbacks. A little more statistics and begin to um give you my preview and prediction uh, for this game. Before I do that, I want to tell you about. One of our sponsors, my friend, uh, Lauren Foster, in the real estate business with Keller Williams. She's been in this area serving the entire state of Georgia for over five years, serving the North Georgia area, all of Lake Lanier, Forsyth County, Hall County, Dawson County. Uh, She's a part of the KWC Million Dollar Club, which means that she's got over a mill 
in sales, meaning she's really good at finding your dream home. So if you're looking to get out of this area, looking to get into this area, it is a fantastic area. Lauren Foster is your realtor. She is a a, 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 a brand, a realtor that you can trust. The proof is in the pudding. So contact Lauren Foster. Lauren Foster one at kw.com is her email. So make sure you get on that. Contact Lauren Foster for all of your real estate needs to get you into your dream home. Appreciate Lauren and her being a sponsor of Pandemonium Reigns. All right, here we go. A couple more statistics and let's land this plane. I want to compare Milton and Milrow. Oddly similar, man. Oddly similar. Milton, 61.5% completion percentage. Milrow, 64.4% completion percentage. What that number is not going to tell you, that number is not going to tell you how bad Milton has been, 20 plus. And it's not going to tell you how good Milrow has been, 20 plus. All right. This is not yard after the catch. This is ball in the air, 20 plus. All right. 1,264 yards for Milton, 1,397 yards for Milrow. Eerily similar. All right. Granted, just now thinking about this, Milrow did not play in that USF game for whatever reason. Nonetheless, Milton, 10 touchdowns on the year. Milrow, 11 touchdowns on the year. Milton, four picks. Milrow, four picks. Milton, check this out. Check this out. Tell me, tell me a single one of you who saw this coming, who saw this statistic coming. It goes like this. Milton has outrushed Milrow. Milton, 173 rushing yards on the year. Milrow, 139. It's almost like just the opposite. We, I mean, in the preseason, we probably would have imagined Milton throwing the better deep ball with less rushing yards, as opposed to Milrow, who is throwing the better deep ball with less rush yards. What world are we living in? Milton has four rushing scores. Milrow has five rushing scores. Eerily similar. My question, and something that I think is indicative of this this outcome, who plays better? Who plays better? My odds, my thoughts, my head and my heart all together, the universe says it's Milrow, just because this game is in Tuscaloosa. But you can even, you know, argue that because some of you are going to say, well, if this game was in Knoxville, Milton, look what Milton would do. Well, look what Milton did against AM. Nothing. Meh. Blah. Any other vomit sound you want to make right there. Wasn't good. He was not good. Here we go. The UT offense versus the Bama defense. Some more numbers for you. The UT offense is averaging 33.5 points per game. The Bama defense is allowing 16 points per game. Okay? My prediction is going to, my final number is going to show you that how, how that's right in the middle of those numbers. I'll get to that in just a second. Total yards per game, UT offense is putting together 443 yards per game. Bama defense is allowing 291. This is... 
This is why I'm saying that 200 plus on the ground for us is is going to be massive if we can find that again. Rushing yards per game, Tennessee, 231. Bama defense allowing 104. Take with that what you will. 20-plus yard plays. UT offense has 23. The Bama defense has allowed 25. Why even read those stats when this season has unfolded in ways nobody imagined? Because it's all we got to go off of. (laughs) It's all we got to go off of. All right? All right, so a couple of final things here I was, as we begin to narrow this down. I believe this line has jumped from 9.5, 9, 8.5, nine, 9, back to 9.5. ESPN is currently showing us 9.5 in Alabama's favor. Again, the ESPN FBI has got Alabama 76.4% odds to win this game. The over-under is set at 48 so what say us at Pandemonium Reigns? We're not expert opinions. All right. We're just people with a little bit of football experience. Giving you a prediction. I'm super nervous about this. I'm not confident in it at all because the way that this season has gone, I told you earlier, like there's no way they're hitting the over. Watch, watch them hit the over by 30, right? I'm going to say that we with with the over under at 48. I'm going to I'm going to say and predict that we hit that square on right at 48. Here it is. I hope I regret this prediction in the most positive f- fashion. Alabama 28 Tennessee 20 Alabama is able to find four scores in the end zone. We have been able to force them to punt in some situations. We've created some turnovers. We've even, you know, gotten ourselves into great field position on punt returns. You name it, whatever. But we weren't able to capitalize. We had to settle for field goals in some really critical situations. I'm going to say there's one or two Critical downs for the UT defense where it can't get off the field. Milrow does something spectacular to move the chains. All right. So Tennessee is going to find the end zone twice, and they're going to end up kicking two field goals. It's gonna it's gonna be a matter of when you get down there, when you find your way into the red zone. Can you find your way to the end zone? Or are you having to settle for three? I think the fact that we're going to have to settle because we can't quite punch it in is going to hurt us. And it's going to be the difference. And Alabama on the other end, when when the crowd is calmer, when they have the ball, they're going to be able to process, analyze, make the play to get into the end zone. This will do this one will do a lot for Alabama. It will not destroy Tennessee. We still have a chance to go nine and three, win out, except with a almost stick to my guns here as well in the season prediction with a loss to Georgia, staring at nine and three. 
Your major losses to Florida, Georgia, and Bama, nine and three. <clears throat> what could happen is you get your brains beat out of you, and you let Alabama beat you twice when you travel to Kentucky. That could happen. Putting eight and four on the table. All right. Could happen. I can't believe it's here. I cannot believe it's here. I appreciate you guys so much for tuning in, for letting me tickle your ears and and talk about this with you. I am so, so grateful that of all the people that you decided to turn on and listen to, to talk about this game, you chose us. You chose me. I'm so, so thankful for that. I do not take it lightly. The greatest thing that you can do for us is push like on this video on YouTube. Push like on the, I don't know if you can do that on Spotify or Apple Podcast. I don't know. But I know that you can leave reviews. Leave a five-star review. Subscribe to our channel. Subscribe to our channel on YouTube, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast because it does wonders for our algorithm. If you run a YouTube channel or you run your own podcast, you know what I'm talking about. It does wonders. Drop a comment. Let me know what you think. Tell me where you disagree with me. Tell me where you agree with me. Give me a GBO. If you write Roll Tide, comment it so I can comment back and tell you that you're dumb. <laughs> I'm going to shut this thing down. 28-20. Alabama is my prediction. CBS, 3.30. Third Saturday in October. I love you guys. I'm Dan. This is Pandemonium Reigns. God bless. Go Balls.